0: Good evening everyone, welcome back to the Newcomer Investor channel where we talk about stocks, we talk about the beauty of investing, and we share insights, learn from each other, and debate. Now, today's episode is going to be quite interesting because I haven't actually prepared any notes whatsoever. Um, I just felt like we should try and make it a little more natural and authentic, almost like a conversation, even though I'm having it just with myself, but I know that you guys are listening. Um, and really only one thing I wanted to go over today was breaking down the 15 top holdings in my portfolio and just give you kind of an overview of what those companies are, uh, why I bought them and how I see them in the future and if I'm thinking of selling or keeping them, etc. Uh, so with that, let's jump right into number 15, which as of today is the ETF SCHD. Now this ETF trades on the New York Stock Exchange Uh, You should absolutely take notes if you don't know it, because, again, I am not a financial advisor, but if I had to advise people to own a stock, that would probably be the stock along with the S&P 500. Now, what it is, basically, the best way to uh, explain this ETF, you should consider it kind of a filter for high-quality dividend growth companies in America. So it owns 100 stocks. It's got a few criteria uh, to select them, uh, such as, you know, Uh, paying dividends and increasing them over a period of time. They also look at free cash flow to debt ratio. They have, I believe, two other main criteria, though I forgot them. And I guess that is a good lesson for uh, not taking notes. But um, yeah, it's it's really, really good ETF. With that, you hold some of the best companies of all time. So, I mean, from memory, uh, I know they have Verizon, they have Coca-Cola, they have Pepsi, they have uh, Pfizer and Merck. Uh, Lockheed Martin. So these are all companies that have been around for a long time and will be around for a long time. They're all really entrenched in American and global society. They have products that people like, they generate lots of free cash flow, and they buy back their shares. So it's really a great ETF. Highly recommend. And I've been... When did I start my position? I started not too long ago, actually. I'd say um, maybe about... Actually, it has been a while. It was with like April or May 2022, so wow, almost a year already. <laughs> That's when I started, but I added a lot to my position actually this year, uh, just a couple weeks or one week ago, and I definitely see it being a more foundational and core holding for my portfolio moving forward. So this is one that I'm going to keep adding to, and in terms of where I see it going, I think it's going to keep going up. Of course, it's going to be a, a bumpy ride, but... Long-term, can't really go wrong with the stocks in that ETF, in my opinion. So that's number 15. Now, moving on to number 14, we have Algonquin Power and Utilities. Now, if you're a Canadian investor, you probably know the stock. If you're a dividend uh, Canadian investor, maybe you own the stock and you're probably face palming with me because, my God, what a catastrophe. That was probably my biggest shock of the year and... I thought I'd seen it all at this point, you know what I mean? But uh, no, it's the first time that I see a strong dividend growth ETF. This is one, I mean, not ETF, sorry. Strong dividend growth stock that's been raising dividends for, you know, 8, 9, 10% per year. And that crashed so fast and so hard. I mean, 40% drop in the space of two weeks. It's unheard of. So if you're not familiar with Algonquin Power, it's a utility stock. Uh, They also have some exposure to renewables. I believe their portfolio is about 80% uh, regulated utility, meaning that they already know how much money more or less they're going to make in the next year, which is why you wouldn't expect the stock price to fall so much because people treat regulated utilities almost like alternatives to bonds. At least that's how I did it. But now I know that it was a mistake. Now of course we say uh, hindsight is 2020, but. Looking back now, I I can see, of course, I I wasn't careful enough with regards to their debt. They took on a lot of debt in order to make acquisitions and grow. And I guess when, you know, in a low interest rate environment, this made sense and and it was great and investors were happy. But in a rising interest rate environment, this comes back and bites you, right? So they had a lot of debt, which is not good. They also did a lot of dilution, again, to raise funds so that they could um you know continue their acquisitions so that was pretty catastrophic and it's yeah it's been really sad to be honest now what do i plan to do with this stock i actually plan to hold it i know it's been a a matter of debate on twitter a lot of people were thinking of selling it a lot of people have sold it i'm holding it just because you know even if they're going through a rough, rough patch now i don't think that it's the end for their assets they continue to be useful and important for society Uh, And I do think at some point they'll get the situation under control and they'll be able to grow again. Now we have their investor day. I believe it's on the 12th today for reference that I'm recording is January 10th. I think it's the 12th or the 13th that they have the investor day and they'll be presenting a plan for what, what are they going to do to rectify the situation? I'm almost certain that it's going to be a big dividend cut. I would say at least 50%, maybe 75% or maybe they'll cancel it. Uh, Could be for a year or two, maybe even three. While they get their finances back in order, it's going to free up a lot of money that they can pay back debt. And then hopefully after that, they go back to uh, growing with a little more um, fiscal conservatism. Another thing of note for Algonquin is um, if you saw when the stock price dropped so hard, the CEO published a letter. Um, It was kind of a nothing burger, but... He did mention that he bought 120 or 110,000 shares, which, as you know, when insiders buy um, some stocks, it's, it's definitely a sign of confidence. So that's good. At least we know that he's got some skin in the game and, and his whole career and life depends on, uh, you know, turning the ship around. So that's my thoughts on Algonquin. A um, little disappointing, but I do believe in them long term. So that was number 14. Moving on to number 13, one of my favorite Canadian stocks, ticker QBR. The stock is called Quebecor, And oh my God, most investors don't know this company. Now, we in Canada, we love the telecom sector. I mean, we have our beloved Bell and Telus. We all love to hate Rogers because let's face it, Rogers is not a great company. <laughs> Although they make made great profits, but you know, they're pretty annoying and they've had this, uh, this disruption and outage not too long ago so we don't like Rogers but investors love Bell and Telus but no one realizes that Quebecor has had a higher total return higher than the other ones over the last 10 years and higher dividend growth as well now the reason no one knows or cares about Quebecor is of course as indicated by their name they are based in Quebec and you know much of the media about them is is in French and in our anglophone uh investing community of course we we don't read French so no one knows right but this company, I mean, it has a low payout ratio. It's about forty percent of cash flow, which is amazing for a telecom company. Because because of that, they have room to keep investing in their networks and and have room for higher dividend growth as well. So they've been doing that, and uh, yeah, it's it's a really really good telecom company. Um, and the thing is, so people were saying also they didn't like it because it's just based in Quebec, but. It's looking like they'll be able to acquire Freedom Mobile from Shaw. Now, if you don't know about this whole deal, let me actually break this down for a second. Um, Although, you wouldn't notice. If you didn't notice, you're probably living under a rock. But... uh, Rogers is in the process right now of acquiring Shaw and the Competition Bureau and the government were against it, but the government said maybe they'll approve it if Shaw agrees to sell Freedom Mobile to someone. And they've agreed to sell it to Quebecor for 2.8 billion, which is actually a really good price for what it is. So it's favorable terms for Quebecor. So that will give them the chance to compete with the other telecoms in the rest of the country. And Québécois has a really good track record of offering low prices, because in Quebec prices are I think about 20 to 25% lower than in uh, Ontario, for example. So they they already know the playbook of offering low prices to people yet still making a profit. So I look forward to this acquisition. I think it's going to be great for Québécois and great for the industry in general. So that is my uh, 13 stock. And oh, in terms of my plans, uh, yeah, for me, that's a long-term hold. I mean, I, I started this position not too long ago, but I, I intend to keep it because I see a bright future for them and I love the dividend growth. Okay. The next one is Equitable Bank Group. Wow, this is also becoming one of my favorites. Seems like every stock is my favorite, but if you don't know EQB, it is a very small bank, well, small compared to our big six, but they've grown extremely fast. Uh, They're really cutting edge technology when it comes to digital banking. And what I love the most about them, their payout ratio is so low, it's in the 20s or even the 10s sometimes. Uh, So they have so much room and it it gives them the opportunity to give us explosive dividend growth. So in 2022, they gave us a 78% dividend increase over the the course of the year, which is unheard of. I don't think I've seen that in any other bank uh, recently or ever. (laughs) So EQB, really, really good long-term compounder. You know, I think they have a, a bright future for sure, because we're all getting more into the digital banking space uh so they're really you know big competition for all the the bigger uh more mature banks that that we know so yeah eqb highly recommend i think this is a good stock i also think it's a good entry point right now last time i checked they were trading at a pe ratio of about six or seven so still a really good buy uh i haven't bought it in a while but yeah i think it's a really great stock to own i love this company next we have enbridge Alright, so if you recall episode 2, I was talking about how I don't really own any oil and gas. This is actually my only oil and gas stock. And let's be fair, it's not oil exploration, it's just um, transportation. Now, if you don't know Enbridge, it is one of the largest and most important companies in Canada. You heard me raving about how great Canadian National Railway is in the last episode. This company is kind of like the CN of uh, oil and energy. I mean, they, I don't remember the numbers exactly now, but I believe they transport up to a third of North American uh, oil. They transport lots of natural gas. I mean, basically, we need their pipelines to to be active. And to give you an example, we, we're in this, um, this lawsuit with the, the governor of Michigan, I believe, who doesn't like that one of the Enbridge pipelines is going through one of Michigan's lakes. And... The, the federal government is actually, you know, trying to get involved and, and trying to negotiate on behalf. Well, not negotiate, but, you know, kind of ask Mr. Joe Biden, like, please let these pipelines stay active because we need them. So it just shows that it's a matter of federal concern. It's a really important company for all of Canada. So, you know, it's one that we need to keep open and active. Uh, because so many people's lives depend on it. So for that reason, you know, it's got a wide moat. It's and now in terms of dividends. Oh, my God. The yield is over six percent. The dividend itself is safe. Um, they've I think they've increased it just three percent not too long ago. So it's not very much. But hey, it is something. And uh, yeah, it, it's just yeah, honestly, for income investors, especially, you know, if you're um you know uh, an older generation and you're looking more to live on dividends i think that's a great pick for me i just had it because i for me it was like a place to park my cash basically i was like i don't know where to put my money right now but let's put it in this iconic company that is gonna pay me at least 6.5 percent per year while i look for better opportunities i'm very happy leaving my money there so uh in terms of long-term hold i don't know how long i'm gonna hold on to this one um you know, I may sell opportunistically because as much as I love it, I'm not necessarily super passionate about it, but I do think it has a pretty good future. Like people say oil and gas is disappearing. No, I don't think it's going to disappear for a really long time. So, you know, I think it's, it's going to still be around in 30 years for sure. And uh, yeah, it's an important company for North American civilization. So yeah, great company. So that's Enbridge. Next, entering the top 10, we have Great West Life Co. Now, Great West Life is one of our uh, three main, uh, large insurance companies in Canada. The other two being Manulife and Sun Life. Um, So nothing too flashy or special about this one. You know, they just do insurance. Uh, They're a little diversified, so they also have some business in America and in Europe. Yeah, I like the company. That was also an opportunistic buy, and, I, and I'll talk more about it uh, later, but I actually own uh, more of another company called Power Corporation, which owns Great West. So I do plan to sell off my Great West Life position over time as the stock price goes back up. Basically, last year, when I saw it dipping below $33 and then $32 and then $31 and then under $30, I just kept buying because I felt like this company was worth way more than that. Um, And I actually also, if you listen to my last episode, I'd refer back to the point I was making about Scotiabank, where Great West Life was had a dividend yield of way over 6%, but the dividend is safe and it's growing each year. And I just felt like it was unfairly, you know, being sold off by investors, not even sure why. So, yeah, I view this one kind of like an alternative to bonds. I don't view it going up very much, but I don't view it going down either. And it's just a really good stock to own for income. But like I said, I prefer Power Corporation and we'll talk about it because it's in my top five. So we'll get back to that in a bit. So that was Great West Life. Then we have TD Bank. We all love TD. They don't need an introduction. (laughs) Um, TD, of course, is our second largest bank by uh, Market Cap here in Canada and maybe a second largest company by market cap. I'd have to check the top five again. Uh, Definitely in a top five. You know, really high quality bank, double digit dividend increases, except, well, I think we just got an 8%, but almost always double digit increases. Uh, Good mix of dividend growth and, you know, the share price going up as well. We love that TD is in Canada, but also in America, which is an attractive market. It's a very fragmented one. So, you know, they have the chance to just keep increasing their, um, their operations in the U S it's a high quality bank, you know, safe stock for me, m- my shares in TD, I almost view it as a savings account. It's like, there's no way I'm going to lose with this over the long term. I'm very bullish on TD. And, uh, this one is a foundational core holding for me. So meaning I, I just keep buying into it and I don't plan on ever selling. Now I actually haven't bought any more shares of TD since. The start of the pandemic so I, I i kind of got a lot of it right when the prices were so low it was really attractive at that point and i haven't touched it since then but the dividend's been growing which is good but i'll probably revisit and add to my position um at some point in the future opportunistically whenever i see some dips so yeah i i'm very bullish on this bank for the long term it's a great long-term foundational hold for me now the next company on our list <sighs> this one's interesting Uh, if you were to look at my portfolio in a pie chart, you would pick this company as the intruder. Okay. Before I continue, remember that this podcast is completely entertainment. It's not financial advice. You should not make any buying or selling decisions based on anything I say. Okay. The company is called ABEX technologies. Now this one, as much as I love the company's mission and the team, this is a whole other level of risk. It is a pre-revenue company now how do i describe in plain terms what they do well they describe themselves as a financial software company and really the goal is to create and build new market infrastructure for the future um so their primary focus right now and it's been a focus for about two years those have been long years that i've held the stock is to launch a new commodity exchange um focused on lng in singapore called the abex exchange now if you're familiar with the uh, exchanges, they have very, very high fixed costs because it's such a high cost to build that infrastructure and spe- specifically the regulatory cost of of trying to go through, you know, get accepted by the government to set it up. But once it's set up, exchanges have very high margins. So it's actually a very profitable revenue model if you manage to get to the point of having that exchange launch. So as I said, they've been going... Uh, in singapore through that process for two years and we've had a few delays but overall there's been some progress um and we've pretty much reached the final stage now so i am expecting that we would get the launch sometime in 2023 uh so people who are bullish on the stock have been saying early 2023 let's go i tend to be more cautious and conservative so i would say probably mid-year maybe later in the year but i do think we should get to it sometime in 2023. Now, they've also been active on other fronts, so they haven't only done this. They've also been developing other types of technologies, and they actually launched a company called Base Carbon. Now, this company um, engages in the trading of voluntary carbon credits, so that's a nice one if you want to have some kind of um, you know stock in the whole carbon credit space. But what I love about this is they literally developed it with partners, um, but they owned a big piece of it and then they actually gave it to shareholders as like a big dividend. Um, so now I own shares of Base Carbon, uh, even though I'd originally uh, invested just in Abbex, and I'm keeping Base because I do think they have room to grow as well. So yeah, really fascinating company. Oh, um, I should also mention they have a podcast called Smarter Markets and it's actually grown. I have a huge audience now, but it's very, very interesting conversations um, about, again, the whole subject of how do we improve the efficiency of financial markets and specifically the, the role in energy and, and decarbonization. Something else that I like about Abex is the team itself. So CEO Josh Crum, he, he knows his stuff. Um, he's, you know, he worked at Goldman Sachs and commodities and he's been an entrepreneur for a while. He, he's had a few companies already before. Uh, very knowledgeable in that space. Um, They're also backed by Robert Friedland, who's a huge mining executive, very famous billionaire, Um, and those two guys alone own a huge chunk of the shares. Something else, too, that's really interesting is ABEX has a very um, passionate shareholder base. If you go on CEO.ca and you search the ABEX chat, my god, it's amazing. I, I, I haven't participated in that chat, but it's been great reading it, seeing how much Passion there is, and more importantly, how much we all believe in the vision, and people have shares and do not want to sell. So it seems like everyone involved in this whole company is really committed to seeing this vision through to the end. Uh, So it's quite exciting. Just the amount of learning I've done just from owning this company and and kind of following along the journey, it's been great. But again, not financial advice. Uh, This is a pre revenue company. It could also go to zero, though that's not my expectation. Last thing I would mention about Abex actually is not that I want to outsource the podcast to other people, but if you are interested in learning more, there are two accounts on Twitter that I want to give a shout out to. One is James Duade. This guy has published some really, really good articles on Seeking Alpha. He's also posted some videos on YouTube um, explaining his thesis on the company, but also being intellectually honest about the risks involved. So I, I really appreciated that. And then another guy is Luke at Carbon Ledger Cap, who's also been tweeting a lot. And really, I've been following him a lot just even for the updates because he's on top of his stuff when it comes to AbEx. So yeah, shout out to these two guys and there are a few others, but these are the The two main guys that I uh, love reading what they have to say about it. But yeah, fascinating company. Um, So that was ABEX Technologies. But again, do your due diligence, please, before investing in anything. Our next company coming in at number seven in the portfolio. Doesn't need an introduction. It is Smart Center's REIT. I'm sure all dividend investors in Canada know this company. I like it, you know. It's a retail-focused REIT. Um, They're credited for bringing Walmart, actually, to Canada. And actually, Walmart uh, has been an advantage. Well, it's both an advantage and a disadvantage, depending on how you look at it. Now, having Walmart is great for bringing in other tenants because of the stability they provide. So for that reason, smart centers has a very high occupancy rate. The flip side is, because they have these special agreements with Walmart, they can't quite increase rent on them. So rent increases have been a little flat. Um, so depending on how you look at it, it's either good or bad. But I love their owner, um, Mitchell Goldhar. Very, very smart uh, you know, entrepreneur. He knows his stuff when it comes to real estate. I, of course, love the distributions. Smart Centers has been great relative to RioCan in that they actually maintain their distributions even during the pandemic. Uh, RioCan wasn't able to do that. Uh, But yeah, overall, you know, it's a REIT. Kind of boring, but gets the job done. I hold this company purely for the income. I'm not expecting huge growth, though I I know they're they're due to grow and and develop some land. But, you know, I'm not expecting this one to go to the moon. I'm holding it for the monthly cash flow so that I can uh, redirect these dividends into other companies. So if you're looking for a good income uh, for, you know, a 6 plus percent yield, I think it's a good company our next company coming in at number six power corporation i love this company listen you all know how much i love the canadian banks our financial system is incredible now power corporation in my opinion is the best way to have a play in the financial sector that is not a bank now what is power corporation it's actually a holding company. So power itself, they don't do that much. They just own majority stakes in other companies being Great West Life Co, which I mentioned earlier, one of our leading uh, insurance companies. They also own IGM financial, which is a leading asset management company. And they have a minority stake in Group Bruxelles Lambert. I love that company. Now, uh, if you're a Canadian investor, you may not be super familiar with that one. It is a very famous Belgian company. It's kind of like, no offense to them, kind of a wannabe Berkshire Hathaway. <laughs> uh, they have a portfolio of legendary European companies. I mean, those are companies you probably know, like um, Adidas or Pernod Ricard, which does uh, alcohol in France. So, yeah, I, I really like it. Um, what's interesting about Power Corp is they have dividend growth. And they also have a very high dividend yield. I also like management in that they are very cautious and conservative. So if you listen to all their interviews where they talk kind of about their approach to how they they try to do things, these are careful people, right? So Power Corporation is actually held in majority by a family called the Desmarais family. And they've been very involved also in Canadian politics, um, you know, friends with prime ministers. And I believe... One of the people is he's married with uh, Jean Charret, who's one of our prime minister, married with Jean Charret's daughter. So very involved kind of in that space. They have a lot of influence, basically, behind the scenes, um, which is good or bad, depending on if you're a shareholder or not. But uh, for, for us shareholders, I think this is a pretty good thing. Uh, you know, good company, well managed, very conservative. They don't take crazy or stupid risks. They're just here to slowly build wealth for people. Now, if you look at their uh, stock chart, it doesn't look that great. I'll give you that. It hasn't grown much, but again, that exemplifies these values of they're just careful people. They're very slow, they take their time. You get a good growing dividend while you wait. This is the type of stock that I would recommend my my parents um or people, you know, over 50 to invest in if they're more focused on income. I hold it because for me, it's kind of like an alternative to bonds at this point. So I'm not holding it in the hopes of getting a huge super to the moon kind of result. I'm holding it because I like the dividend. I like that it grows. And, you know, I think there's potential for a little bit of growth for power over the long term and bonus, they own Wealth simple. I mean, how cool is that? Right? So anyway, that was our number six pick power corporation. Now we're entering the top five. Oh my God. We've actually made it up to here already. How long is this video? Wow, this is a long video already. This is our longest episode so far. Okay, number five, we have RioCan. RioCan is a well-known REIT, very polarizing. A lot of people love it, and a lot of people hate this company. I neither love it nor hate it. I think it's a high quality REIT, I do think they had a very embarrassing episode in 2020 when the previous CEO Ed Sunshine promised we'd never cut the distribution and then two months later they cut it 33%. That was a sad day, but you know, I felt like they had to do it. Now they have a low payout ratio and they're able to just, you know, slowly grow the distribution again. So they're also a retail focused REIT, um, from memory, I believe about 50% of their revenue comes just from the GTA. So it's fairly concentrated around Toronto, but that's fine. I love Toronto. I think it's a great city. I do think we're still growing even with high prices. So no problem there. Um, and they try to, you know, stay again in attractive markets. So yeah, I like Rio Can. I get good uh, dividends and uh, you just get paid to wait. Now, in terms of why did I even get into it? Uh, honestly, listening to this podcast, probably start seeing a pattern in my investing approach i like to buy uh, companies that seem to be in distress but whom i believe will rebound so i i'm very proud of my RioCan investment because my average price is around 14 dollars. basically when the pandemic started and i just saw the stock price crash i thought listen it's true retail's probably not gonna also go to the moon right but there's no way that it's should be that cheap it's not like it's dead and it's not gonna die so that was my thesis at the time so i was buying in times of extreme fear and now i feel vindicated because i'm up over 50 percent at the time of recording so that's great but i do plan on, on holding on to it and perhaps selling some of my shares once we reach back a 26 27 28 dollar range but for now you know i'm happy again with the monthly cash flow i like ryokan but again though i will say this is the reason that it's um my fifth position it's mainly because I bought during the pandemic when it was solo, and the price went up so high afterwards. In normal times, it wouldn't be so high up in my portfolio. Number four, needs no introduction, Canadian National Railway. Listen, I'm not going to talk very much about this one because we dedicated almost the whole episode to it. So if you haven't heard episode three, you should check it out. I outline all the reasons why I believe Canadian National Railway is possibly one of the greatest Canadian stocks of all time or at least canadian dividend stocks you know wide moat very profitable lots of cash flow buyback shares increased dividends everything points to high quality business i love owning it and i plan on buying on dips yo i will say it's hard to catch cn on a dip it always trades at a premium valuation and again that speaks to the quality of the business I also like their enemy Canadian Pacific Railway and it's equally hard to catch it at a low price. So, if you ever see this company at a at a um, dip, even though this is not financial advice, I do recommend, you know, grabbing a share or two because it doesn't come very often. Moving on to our third largest position, wow, top 3 already, is the ticker symbol VFV. that is our ETF for the S&P 500. Now, this one as well, I've talked about in episode 1. I've Clearly called it the greatest single investment anyone could ever make. Had I started my portfolio, uh, I mean, if I started it again now, I would put only money into that ETF, probably for the first two or three years. And then I would consider buying other um, companies. I think you can't go wrong with this ETF over the very long term. And I also found out uh, when I do my portfolio pie charts, I don't include my pension because, you know, well, it's kind of unrelated, but I did get my uh, last pension uh, report and I realize now because I put all of it into the S P. Uh, as of today, if you combine my pension plan with my actual stock portfolio, then the s 500 is my number one position. So I'm very happy with that and I plan on increasing that even more because, yeah, I think it's, it's the best place to put your money, honestly. And if you don't believe me, listen to Warren Buffett because he says the same thing. All right. Number two position is, of course, you already know, the Bank of Nova Scotia, ticker symbol BNS. I also spoke about this bank on episode three. Listen, everyone on Canadian Twitter hates this bank for some reason. I mean, yeah, as it's I understand why, because total returns are not as high as the other banks. That is true. But I continue to believe that it is an undervalued bank. Uh, a misunderstood bank i think they have a bright future ahead and i mean yo you get paid a such a great and safe dividend while you wait for them to get their stuff together i mean what's not to like number one now my favorite company of all time i've spoken about it at length i've also spoken about it a lot on shout out to dividend dave the passive income podcast if you haven't heard my episode on this podcast definitely check it out brookfield corporation best company in canada best management these guys just keep delivering amazing returns they crush the smp 500 yeah I, I i don't have i don't have any words to express how how much i love this company um of course if you're not familiar with them they started as an industrial conglomerate where they just owned a bunch of real assets They didn't realize that they could do even better if they took other people's money to invest in, in some of those assets. So they are now a leading asset management franchise. They specialize in real assets. So real estate, infrastructure, renewables, they make so much profit. They have all these assets that are critical for civilization to basically exist. They've recently done a split of their company. So they've split the asset management business, uh, from the corporation. So my top position is the corporation. Uh, that is the one where I believe we'll get long-term compound returns over time. So I you know, I said it on that other podcast. I think this company may make me a millionaire. I hope so. Uh, we'll see. I mean, that will take a lot a long time, but hey, you know, we, we can dream, right? But yeah, I, I love this company, very financially strong, very diversified, and I plan to just keep buying on dips. Uh, and even if it doesn't dip, I, I'm going to keep buying. It's actually the only individual stock that I bought so far in 2023. Uh, along with the two ETFs, which were diversified. So VFV and SCHD. But yeah, Brookfield Corporation, number one position. I'm very happy with the allocation and I plan to increase it. So that was it, y'all. Episode five, breakdown of my top 15 stocks. I think that was our longest episode so far. Let me know in the comments or in the DMs or just tweet me if you like the longer type of episodes. Um, I don't know if it's tiring as a listener. (laughs) It's definitely kind of an exercise as a speaker. Maybe I should get a guest on one of the future episodes that I don't just talk to myself the entire time. We shall see. But anyway, thank you all. Let me know your thoughts on this whole portfolio. Let me know if you think my stock picks are crazy. All in the spirit of debate. I love hearing it, whether it's positive or negative. I hope you all have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the Newcomer Investor channel. Have a great day.